Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Soccer New Rock in America World Mini Match Previews Podcast featuring me, person new. Yeah, why don't you get a real name? Because I'm fairly new to being a person of 10. That's true. Why don't I get a real name? I'm the adult. Why do we exist in this world is a real question. Ooh, soccer noob. No, ontology noob. Rock in America featuring person noob. We will question the existence of our being. What is the nature of things, all things material and otherwise? The answer is 42. Okay, fair enough. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Good reference. Anyway, <laughs> dear listener, what have you gotten yourself into besides these shenanigans? Well, in, in truth, we are mainly going to spend our time uh, doing mini previews of the best, most intriguing matches from all over the world as we define them. Not only the top matches from big leagues and leagues close to home, we will lean on those some, but we are not afraid to go and learn about the world of soccer and just the world in general by exploring smaller countries' leagues and confederations and international tournaments from all over the world. This particular week, uh, we're going to run matches from uh, Friday the 5th through Thursday the 11th, and we hope you shall enjoy them. But in the meantime, P-Noob. You're the muscle of the show. You're the star, and everybody knows that. They always say they like the soccer, but they love hearing what you're up to. What is on the mind of my daughter? Well, I just got some new drumsticks. Those look like, now that you pulled them out, marshmallow roasting sticks, except that they're black. Don't question it. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I am questioning it. Are, is that, are they used or something? Are they burnt? No, I caught them and they were sharp because I had nothing else to do with my life. <laughs> I feel like we've got Darla from Beavis and Butthead show or something. I, I, well, that explains the smell on those. They smell good. Yeah, I mean, well, I wouldn't go that far, but they don't smell horrible. But they are uh, pungent, to say the very least, now that they've been out and next to me more, more than a little bit. All right, moving on from your fabulous new drumsticks, what else is going on in the world of the noob person? Well, I'm watching my favorite show. Your favorite show? What is that? The Thundermans. Oh, yeah. That's a Nickelodeon show, correct? Mm-hmm. I've watched it enough times that you know, with you that I ought to know that by now, but I was still having to guess. And so you've got the Thundermans on the brain. Why is that? Because I'm watching my favorite episode, season four, episode 15, Thunder in Paradise. <laughs> Oh, I think I've seen maybe I think I've seen the second part, but not the first part. Is that the uh, one where Phoebe turns evil? No spoilers, but yes. No, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, the show ended in 2018. If anybody listening to the show was going to catch the Thundermans and ha- hasn't, I think that the uh, 
I think that the spoiler warning has been expired. So, but I'm thinking of the right one. So, what's your what's your favorite thing about that particular episode? Is it where they are? Or does something special happen? It, it's just like it. I'm sorry. It is the only one where they're not like where they're not like in the studio, like on the set, like they're actually in Hawaii or like at a beach. And I and I think it's like cool that like the background there's like wind and it's like noise and there are other people and it's not just like a silent. It's background. it's a real world and not just a set because you online you like to spend a lot of time watching videos. You have seen that it's not it's not that they've borrowed somebody's house and are shooting the show in there. What's the actual set like for the regular episodes? It's all fake. Yeah, it's uh, usually called the sound stage. And so you've got the three walls. And then if they talk to the audience or wink at you or something like that at the camera, that's called breaking the fourth wall. The fourth wall is where a live audience can sit, where the cameras can be. I'm explaining to you things you know. Okay, well, I don't know everything you do and don't know. I can't read your mind. And you want to know a secret? Yes. In every single episode, they hide a banana. Wow, for that's just luck. like on that's just oh for good luck because on Psych they had a thing with pineapples, but I don't know why or how that started. I think it was by accident. And if and if you look at Max's layer slide, he he presses the button, it opens, he slides in. Yeah, it doesn't really lead to his layer, and the slide doesn't really open. The slides on the 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 base is on the other side of the set. Oh yeah, I can't imagine why they would build a fake set and go to the trouble of making it more difficult by building the basement parts actually physically below the regular part. Yeah. They shoot the entryway and the exit in two different places, don't they? Yep. But there is actually a slide. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. They've got to show them coming down at the end. So you're learning all about Hollywood magic. And that seems to be what is up in the world of, I'm going to try out your drumsticks. Person noob. Maybe we can add a theme song some point to what's on the mind of person noob. I th One thing that's on the mind is I thought the Colossal was real. Even though he's a talking rabbit. Oh, you thought he was a real rabbit? He 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 can turn his head. You can't see the hole that the person puts it through. His his voice and mouth move the exact same way. His head turns. His his ears slip. His hands go up. I th I think he's even blink. It looks so real, but then it, but then it's like you know they. I know I know they use multiple puppeteers for that. So they they, they have they have worked hard to do what is called suspend your disbelief. And they actually use four puppeteers. Yeah, total for the show. Yeah, I guess they would all probably be for the rabbit, wouldn't they? There are no other puppets in the show. That's a good point. You're a puppet. You're a puppet. Oh snap! We're puppets, but we're gonna we're gonna get into the soccer. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we get into it? Learn soccer. Learn the world. Sure. All right. Let's get it started with match number one. Let's start right off with our featured MLS match of the week. We head to the Western Conference where number seven, Portland, is taking on number four, Dallas. Uh, they're about two-thirds of the way through the season of Major League Soccer. And a quick reminder for uh, more burgeoning fans uh, like myself, it is the top seven from each of the two conferences that get to go to the playoffs. Portland, obviously, every game is critical right now because they're right on that playoff line. Dallas, they would like to maintain a high seed uh, for, amongst other reasons, getting to potentially host a first-round playoff game. If they can get all the way to first place, which feels unlikely in the West, they would even get a bye straight into the quarterfinals. At the time I recorded this, and this is a caveat for all things in this show, I hope it goes without saying, but nevertheless, things will change in the standings between the time I scout it, the time I record it, and the time you hear it. 
The time I scouted at Portland was leading number eight LA Galaxy by just one. Meanwhile, Dallas was leading number five Real Salt Lake by two. The series between these two has pretty much been dead even. Dallas have had the slimmest of edges with an 11-9-10 record accrued, and they won earlier this season with a resounding 4-1 win at home. You can catch this edition, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+. We will start off talking about Portland first as hosts. They've won the league title one time. That was 2015. Twice they have won their conference title. Most recent time was 2017. Last year, they got to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. That was their third ever appearance and the best that they have ever done. They made the quarterfinals. Last year, they finished in fourth place in the West regular season, and then they were your playoff runners-up. So almost got that second title. This year, if they're going to make a run for the title, it's their defense they've got to shore up a little bit. Uh, they're, they've got a top three offense. They're getting over one and a half goals per match, but they're giving up almost as many, and that's good for the only the number 10 defense in their conference. They've only got, I believe, a plus five goal differential. To that end of the scoring leaderboard, helping them get some of that differential, nine goals on the season so far for Yaroslaw Nishgoda, their Polish striker. And then on the assist leaderboard with eight is uh, Yemi Charov. He is Colombian midfielder, Liga MX fans. Yes, same guy who was with Monterey from 2015 to 17. And a little fun fact, his brother Diego plays here as well. Now, what I th- it's the center of the defense that I think is really giving them problem. The weak link, if you're watching this, and I hope you will, uh, to look for, see if they don't try to pick on uh, one of the center backs, Dario Zaparic, 30-year-old Croatian. He's certainly an accurate enough passer, but he has absolutely no help whatsoever dribbling the ball up the field and getting his team into those offensive positions or out of some of their defensive quandaries. And quite frankly, for a guy in his position, he's just not getting a lot of interceptions on the year. As far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight. So they've actually climbed up of late to get where they are. But I think it's worth noting that they haven't kept a clean sheet in their last three matches. Therefore, coming to town, and I think that they will uh, get the road win, is Dallas. They've never won a league title, but they were uh, runners-up in MLS in 2010. They won the Supporters' Shield, which is uh, the best record from either of the conferences in a given year, in 2016. And then in the 2016-17 CONCACAF Champions League, they got all the way to the semifinal. Last year, they were in 11th in the West. All the Texas teams were really bad. Austin had an excuse being new. Good to see Dallas have some life to them this year. Their offense is okay, but their defense is where they're really getting it done. Second best of the conference, barely allowing over a goal per match on average. On the offensive side, though, tied for number four with uh, in the league with 12 goals of his own is Jesus Ferreira, forward, just 21 years old. He's actually Colombian-born, but he reps for the United States. See, his dad, who also used to play for Dallas, moved here with his family when uh, Jesus was 10 years old. And in fact, he got his citizenship in 2019, and he's been starting, even though he's awfully young, to get some national team appearances. He got eight this year so far. And then I don't want to uh, go any further without acknowledging someone on the defensive side, their goalkeeper, uh, Martin Pace, Dutch, 24 years old, has been red hot, two shutouts in a row, defense travels. I know it's cliche, but it's true. That's why I think they can get the win. Uh, So far this season, he has given up 30% fewer goals than the XG statistic has shown the other team is supposed to be scoring against him. I won't usually go too 
into those XG sorts of things at all. But I noticed with that guy, and that was really statistically significant. He is excellent at shot stopping. Uh, he was on here from loan on F from FC Utrecht. I can't remember if that's Belgian or Dutch. I think it's Dutch since that's where he's from, but he is now an official member of Dallas as of June permanent signing teams form. They are two one and O in their last three match number B. That's right. Daughter dearest number two bathroom talk number B much more fit for polite society, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Listen to it in action. Match number B, we stay stateside, but we're going to go to one of the lower or smaller divisions, smaller like you, person noob. Mm-hmm. I'm like Major League Soccer, and then you're like uh, USL2. Okay, maybe it's the other way around. She's giving me a funny look. She's the star of the show. I know. Anyway, we have reached the final of the playoffs, and it has come down to Ventura County Fusion and Long Island Rough Riders out of Morristown, New Jersey. We'll talk about the hosts first. Uh, VCF, the Fusion, they were the number five seed out of the Western Conference. This is a team that was founded in 2006, which for this level is almost sort of a veteran club, I would say. Uh, They play at a pretty small college called Ventura College, Uh, Their stadium's got about a 5,000 capacity. Last year, they were off for COVID, so they have come back with a purpose. Uh, 2019 was one of their best seasons. They made the conference final. From 2007 to 18, they were in a league called the USL PDL, which stands for Premier Development League, and they won that title in 2009. So this is a club with some history behind its back. In terms of how they progressed in this event, well, they beat number se- number seven, Flint City Bucks, nil one, which they did at the favorite from this region, uh, Des Moines, in the semifinals. So long, and uh, thanks for a great season, Des Moines Menace. That's one of our favorites here since we're Iowa natives. This team finished uh, in second place, by the way, in the Southwest Division. It was a very close race. Uh, they were tied with a team in the standings called Project 510, based out of Oakland on points, lost the regular season title on just by just three on goal differential. As far as what we can expect from them, a very well-balanced attack. They had the uh, fourth-best offense in their league. They scored exactly two goals per match in this very high-scoring division they came out of. They also had a top-four defense, giving up a one-and-a-quarter goals per game and actually just the number three goal differential. So I take that to mean, uh, see, that this is a gritty, gutty team. And then your Long Island Rough Riders, an even older club founded back in 1994. And uh, this is a team, if they maintain the name, that you can say, hey, maybe you heard it about here first, because they're trying to get a USL League One team, that's third division, uh, there in Brentwood, Long Island. Have been for a couple of years or so, from what I gather. 2016, they became a Premier Development League affiliate of NYCFC, by the way. So if you're a fan of the Pigeons, don't like the Red Bulls, this would be the team for you to root for. Now, full disclosure, I'm not 100% certain that they're still affiliated with the team, but uh, I think so. And they joined the USL League 2 in 2019. 2011, they were also in the USL PDL that we mentioned before, and they won the Mid-Atlantic Division that year and even made the national semifinal. So they're about a decade removed from their heyday. And then uh, one time, even further back, they won the USL D3 Pro League, which I'm all but 100% certain doesn't exist anymore. To progress to the final, they beat the second seed out of the East, North Carolina Fusion U23 team uh, in that semifinal. I believe they beat them 2-0. 
Uh, in the regular season, they finished in second place in the Metropolitan Division, all New York, New Jersey area teams, if memory serves. Uh, they actually lost out on the division title to Manhattan SC by two points. In league, they were well-balanced, but even stronger statistically. Two and a half goals per match. That was good for the second-best offense. They had the best defense going out there in the Metro of the Big Apple and the number one goal differential. And they've got a famous connection on their team that I was surprised to find. Team scoring leader Matthew Vowinkle had uh, 11 goals, and he's also had three goals in the postseason. But what really impresses me is the fact that this guy – is an Olympic caliber rower, has gotten to do some things like the Olympics, uh, the Pan American Games. And then if you look even further back, and I was surprised to find apparently that he's this old, uh, he's also one of the three co-founders of one of the most popular social media apps that's out there. Dad, no. What, Pinu? That, I'm in the middle of a thing. What? Dude, that, that wasn't the guy. Matthew Vowinkle. I mean that's a very, uh, it's a very memorable name, Vowinkle. No. Yeah, yeah. Olympic rower helped found Facebook. No, it was Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. Winklevoss, not Vowinkle. Winklevoss. You're telling me that there are two last names out there that have Winkle as part of them and like a V and an O. Yes. I don't believe you. And here's what I'm going to teach you about media person noob. If we're recording and we have the mic on and I say it, guess what? It gets to be true automatically. No, it's not. (laughs) All right, fine. Ruin all my fun. Also, if you have a chance to find this online, maybe Facebook Live, look out for overall points leader Ryan Carmichael. He had 10 goals during the regular season and three assists. Is that okay? I don't have anything else to say about Carmichael. Sure. So who are you going to be rooting for, Person Noob? Uh, The team from Long Island, New York, or the team from Ventura County, the Fusion? Ventura, because it sounds cooler. Yeah, West Coast is the best coast. I think that's what they say. Sure. All right, that'll be our team. Match number three. More Saturday action. It is another trophy match here in the United States again in another fourth division league. 2022 NPSL, that's the National Premier Soccer League, is having their final between FC Motown and Crossfire Redmond. We talked about Crossfire Redmond before. FC Motown, uh, I I realize I made mention in the previous match of uh, Morristown, New Jersey. It's FC Motown that are from Morristown, New Jersey. Obviously, the Long Island Rough Riders are from, you know, Long Island, which is not New Jersey. So in any case, good luck to both of these teams. Since we've talked about Redmond before in particular, I thought this would be a nice time to take a break and see if we couldn't get a prognostication, a drug-addled or drug-aided vision, which will it be, in which we learn something about the area and hopefully what kind of result we're going to get so we can gamble on it and all send our kids to college. So for that, we turn to 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus. Are you there? And take it away, a mighty soothsayer. When that happens, his ability to uh, touch the universal infinite still seems to be beholden to uh, weather patterns. I know that here where we're recording, we've got a massive storm front 
rolling through has been for a couple of days. And obviously nothing's ever helped by the howling Thracian plains of Greece, uh, famous winds. So sounds like, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get a prediction, but good luck to Motown and to Crossfire Redmond. Match number four. One more Saturday match to go, and this is when we're going to cover, as I mentioned in the intro, the only European match that we're going to touch on here in the main 10 mini previews. But it's not going to be one of uh, the big leagues. It's going to be the FA Cup. Who knew how quick it was coming along? It is time for the world's favorite FA Cup, in fact, the English one. And why is it the favorite? Because it is huge, and they dip down all the way to the best team's from the 10th level of the English pyramid, I believe nowhere near even semi-professional looking for combatants. And what's so much fun is the minnow watching here in the early stages. This is not the event proper. Uh, These are the qualifying rounds. In fact, this is the extra preliminary round, which precedes the first qualifying round. Personoob, why don't they just call the round that they're playing first, the first qualifying round? Why do they call it extra preliminary instead of just first? I don't know. Yeah, me neither. Maybe we'll find out someday and then we can share it with people. Yeah. That would be really interesting to do for a podcast, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> In any case, that's uh, what it's called. And who's entering it this round? Well, it's all the best teams from Tier 10, all of the teams that play in ninth level leagues, and then the lesser teams uh, from last year from the 8th tier. And person noob, you picked out of like the well over a hundred matches to choose from. I just let you uh, look on the interwebs, and there was a couple. There were a couple games that stuck out to you, and you want to tell the people which one you decided to go with that we should cover. Uckfield. Yep, AFC Uckfield Town, and then Midhurst and Eastbourne. Now, why did you choose this particular one? Because it sounded cool. Yeah, Uckfield, just kind of a strange sounding name, isn't it? Yeah. All right, well, let's learn a little bit about them first. Uh, This is a club that was officially founded, at least in its uh, current state, uh, in 2014. But as you might imagine with England and football, this is actually a merger between two incredibly far older teams. Uh, Their nicknames, they are known as the Oakmen. And then after their town, they are also known as the Uckers, which is fine unless you're preceding the nickname with playoff. Please use playoff Oakman, person who don't say playoff Uckers, because if you run it together, it sounds really, really bad. So we don't do that. Oh, oh she just got it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, they play out of East, Suff- East Sussex, and uh, that's about 40 miles from London. Population uh, as of the turn of the century was about 13,000. I'm not really sure how much it's grown. And uh, not too surprising, but a little uh, etymology about the town name, uh, Field from Feld, which, you know, obviously still means field. So it's out in the country. And then, person noob, did you know that this was actually a town that was started more or less on the property of a man named Ucca? Not real. Not, what do you mean not real? Ucca doesn't sound very real. Oh, so just because I did the thing about the, the, the Vowinkle guy earlier... Uh, versus Winkle Voss. You think that I'm making this one up? Yes. (laughs) Well, I have news for you. There it is, U-C-C-A. I realize just because I typed it doesn't make it true, but in this case, it is true. That must be a very, very old name. I've never met anybody named Ukka. Have you? No. No? If you ever have a brother, should we name him Ukka? No. How about if we have a pet? No. Hey, uh, tell the folks your classroom's about to get a new pet. A pet rabbit. Yeah, that's really good. You should name it Ukka. 
It already has a name. Oh, it does? What's the name? I don't remember. Oh, does it have a middle name? Nope. And I gotta go to the bathroom. Can we make... <laughs> Can we make the middle name, Mecca? You can get back to me later after you do what you need to do. Wow, what a podcast. Real life. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this is a team. <laughs> wow, oversharing. Um, this is a team that plays out of a league called, or set of leagues called the Southern Combination. It's actually three divisions. Uckfield Town, they play in the Premier Division, the best of those, which is a Neville level nine uh, league. Uh, it's all teams from uh, the east and west parts of Sussex, Surrey, and then southwest London. Last year, they finished in just 14th place, largely because they couldn't get over the hump. They led the league in draws with just a gargantuan number, 15 of them. And that's going to happen when you're playing small ball. This is a small uh, this is a small ball team. Uh, they're going to uh, park the bus more or less most of the time. Go for uh, not really try too hard on offense, but really go for those shutouts on defense. Play a lot of men back. And now Midhurst and Eastbourne, they are known as the Stags. They're also a merger from two clubs way back in 1946. They are from the uh, Midhurst area of West Sussex, also about 45 miles from Miles from London, a smaller area, 3,500-ish population, I would say. It's uh, mostly an old-time market town that still serves the uh, hinterlands for basic service further uh, west in England, I believe. Uh, this area used to be famous for brick production, specifically white bricks. I'd never heard of it in use in architecture in particular, but one of those little factoids we like to learn, they were famous for Midhurst White Bricks right up until 1985 when that got shut down. They play in the same league, by the way, the Southern Combination, the Premier Division. They just got promoted to it, though. Last year, they were in the Southern Combination Division One, finished in second place and got to move up. And I believe, take it with a grain of salt, this is the highest they've ever been. Last year, uh, when they qualified, uh, they had the second best offense going with uh, two and a half goals per match, second best defense, second best old dif overall goal differential. It'll be really fun to see if this is a team that can stay up here in the single digits for level on the English pyramid, and they'll get their first test, albeit here in FA Cup play on Saturday. Match number five. I apologize for the intentional falsehood. We do, in fact, have one more Saturday match, and we're headed to South America for it, specifically for the Clausura stage of the Primera División in Paraguay. A quick note about the stages for our newer fans uh, in a lot of South American and generally Latin American countries. The season is actually two separate seasons, the Apertura opening in Clausura closing stage. So now you know we're in the second one. Uh, this league is largely considered to be the fourth best league in all economable. Source I like to use for that is a site called Kick Algorithms. Thank you for all that they do. The stage winners uh, for the Apertura and Clausura will get to go to the Copa Libertadores, which is the South American Champions League, plus the best of any other team uh, teams rather that did not win either of the two stages. And then three teams out of this 12 team league will also get to go to the Copa Sudamericana, which is their secondary international club tournament in Conmebol. Now they're very early, just like five matches into the stage down there. But nevertheless, we have got a dandy of a top two matchup. Number one, Cerro Porteño taking on number B, Nasi and all. Uh, Sarah Porteño currently uh, lead their visitors today by two. Nasi and all then in turn, they lead powerhouse number three, Libertad by four. So really, I think that this is a gigantic game for Sarah Porteño because if they can open up a 
a three-plus point lead on both of those teams, that's really going to go a long way for them as the season progresses. As far as the series between these two, Portania should have a lot of confidence. They have accrued a 22-11 and 14 record. And then in the Apertura stage, and there's little enough of a break between the two stages that I think it's still very relevant. Um, Serapitania won 1-0 at home, and then they even earned a 2-3 shootout win uh, at Nacional. We'll talk about Portenio first. In fact, the Cyclone, they play out of the capital of Asuncion in a neighborhood of about 20,000 called Obrero, which, by the way, means worker. So if you're a big fan of uh, blue-collar style football, this is probably a team that you would enjoy rooting for. Although you would have your choice, because while I don't think they're all in the Premier, Divi- uh, Premier Division currently, there are three really big clubs that all are based out of this uh, relatively small neighborhood, believe it or not. This particular club, they're ranked 21st in South America, and uh, FIFA ranks them just a, just a couple notches outside of the top 150 worldwide. Uh, six different times they have been to the Copa Libertadores semifinal. They've never won it, though. Last time was 2011. They have won 34 league domestic titles, most recent one just two stages ago, the end of the 2021 uh, 2021 season. There we go. They finished in second place in this year's Apertura. Right now, they've got a perfect record. Uh, They have tied for the third best offense, scoring almost two per match, but defense is where they're really uh, getting it done. At the time I scouted, they'd played four times and only conceded one goal. On the offensive side with a couple of goals, uh, perhaps their best player, uh, Brian Samudio. I think I'm getting the first name right. It's B-R-A-I-A-N, but I'm still going to say it, Brian. He plays forward for them. Uh, Last year, he was with Toluca in Liga MX, of which I am becoming a particularly big fan. And I like seeing uh, players and player names that we've got connections to. Uh, while he was there, he actually only had two goals. He might be here at Serapotenio on loan. I found some conflicting information, but he's off to a very early, very hot start that he just uh, wasn't able to duplicate uh, up in Toluca. And in the past, this guy has made 14 national team appearances. And now looking to put the first blemish on that perfect record is Nacional. They are another team that plays in that Obrero neighborhood of Asuncion. They have nine league titles under their hat. 2013 Apertura was the last time, though. Then they went on to the 2014 Copa Libertadores and got to the final. Uh, They were only the second team in Paraguay, I believe, ever to even make a final, but they have still yet to win it. The Apertura this year, uh, they just finished in number sixth then. So they really needed to win the division. I don't think they're going to get that plus one third berth into the Copa Libertadores very easily. So far, they are 3-1-0 on the season, second best offense and defense. Uh, with a couple of goals so far, starring for them has been Facundo Bruera, their Argentinian forward. If you speak feline, you will know that that means it's time to take a break from previewing the upcoming week's matches and do a recap of last week's matches. Let's see how they went. Match number one was on Saturday last week between number three Chicago Red Stars and number one San Diego Wave in the NWSL. And San Diego is still on top. Nil one. Player of the match, as far as I'm concerned, was Kaylin Sheridan, who we said to look out for. She has been hot in the net. 
Uh, she had four saves, including a penalty kick save. Match number B from Major League Soccer. Number four, the East Montreal took on number B, NYCFC. They played to a nil-nil draw. Match number three, we had the Copa America Femenina final between Colombia and Brazil. And it was the favorites coming out on top. Nil-one, Dabinia had the goal for Brazil. Match number four from the Oceania Football Confederation. Their Women's Nations Cup final got played. And it was Papua New Guinea, the best team of those that were playing in the event, taking on second seed Fiji. The result was a Papua New Guinea 2-1 win. Both the gals that we said to look out for in this, uh, Megan Gunemba, who is the team's all-time leading scorer, and Ramona Hadio both had goals. Sunday brought us match number five, the Women's Euro Final. Boy, has everybody been talking out that, about this one in the Twitter box. Fifth seed in England took on number B, Germany, and it finally came home, as they say there. English women got their first international trophy in something like 60 years with a 1-0 win. Beth Mead had the goal. Match number six from Sao Tome and Principe. It was the second leg of their two-legged tie final between Melotar 6, Setembro, and Operario. And it was the slight underdogs from the smaller of the two islands, Principe, Operario, getting the win 1-2. And that means that they won 3-2 on aggregate with that road win. Congratulations on the trophy and the upcoming Champions League berth. Match number seven from Vietnam's V League One. We had the top two matchup between uh, Hanoi and just behind them, Song Lam Nian, and it was Hanoi winning 2-1. No change in the table there. Tuesday, match number eight from uh, eight from Liga MX Apertura. Uh, current second place, uh, Toluca took on number five, Pueblo. Puebla, they played to a 1-1 draw, which was good enough to move Puebla up to number four. Match number nine, we took a brief look at the Uzbek Super League. Number B, Nasaf, took on number one, Nav Bahor. Uh, and it was Nav Bahor coming out on top, nil one. That knocked Nasaf. They've got a great race going there, all the way down to number four. That table is still just tight as can be. Wednesday, match number 10 for the CONCACAF League. It was Sporting San Miguelito out of Panama, uh, playing Guatemala's uh, Malacateco. And after playing to a 1 1 draw in leg one, like two with all Panamanians. Uh, San Miguelito won 3 0. I mentioned three different scores to look out for for the team, and uh, none of them were the scores. Oh, I am so noob. And then your three bonus matches. The first one, the route of the week. Explanations on these coming later, by the way. Route of the week, uh, first versus last place team from Malawi's Super League. Number 16, Rumpy United took on number one, Niasa Big Bullets. And it was uh, Niasa getting the easy win, 1-3. Your most meaningless match in the world from Friday is from the second division in Mexico. Number 11, Venados took on number 13, Atletico Morelia. And it was Morelia. Australia coming out on top, nil two. That pushed them all the way up to number nine. Venados, they dropped down to number 14. And finally, your match of disappointment was a Sunday match from the Maldives out of the Indian Ocean. And uh, that match was number seven, Super Sport, Super United Sports, excuse me, versus number eight, Da Grande. And even after the getting their first win, and they got it handling one to six, congratulations on getting a taste of victory, Da Grande. But you're still disappointed in, because you're still in last place by 10 points. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Let's get back into it for the upcoming week with... Match number six. 
And now we actually will move on to Sunday and a little bit closer to home. Our Federation, anyway, say hello to the Liga Mayor of the Dominican Republic. It is the top flight there, and it is ranked as the 10th best in our region by Kick Algorithms. They have a three-stage season. The uh, first stage of the regular season is already complete. Six of the eight teams got to advance. They are now in the middle of the second stage, out of which four of the six teams will advance. This is a triple-round robin format, and there are four or five matches uh, into that right now. I believe that the top two teams, by the way, at the very end of it all, will get to go on to the Caribbean Club Championship. Take that with a grain of salt. CONCACAF's changing a lot of things when it comes to uh, the international stuff as it relates to Central America and the Caribbean. In any case, we've got another classic top two matchup. Number one, Atletico Pantoja versus number B, Cibao. Now, Atletico Pantoja have a really big chance to salt uh, their mid-season title, if you will, away very early. They already lead Cibao by six. A home win would really put things away, I think, even with uh, the better part of the double round robin to go. Uh, we will talk about them first since they are hosting Pantoja. They are known as the Warriors, founded in 2000, largely by Argentinian immigrants to the country. Pantoja, by the way, is a really nice neighborhood in uh, Santo Domingo. And here I get to show off my uh, Spanish language prowess a little bit. And I think this relates to a uh, clothing manufacturing that they uh, used to have there. Don't know if it's still there or not anymore, but uh Pantoja, as you would guess, is pants in the Spanish language. Nope. Or specifically sweatpants, I think. But with a person noob, I hear you chiming in again. What's up? Wrong Spanish word for pants. Pantoja? It sure sounds like pants. No. What's what's the actual word? Pantalones. Pantalones. But it's funnier my way because then Atletico Pantoja means the athletic pants. Okay, funnier to me. The blank look on your face tells me that I'm not nearly as funny as I'm pretending to be in my mind. Nope. Well, that's why you're the star of the show. Okay, fine. They have won the division. Uh, the league has had a number of names. They have won the top flight league title six different times. 2019 was the most recent one when they won the grand finale. They also won the aforementioned Caribbean club championship in 2018. By the way, when it's championship versus shield, that just in the past was referred to professional versus uh, the amateur leagues that are in some of the smaller islands in the Caribbean. Last year, they finished in third place overall. So far, this stage, they are a perfect 4-0-0 with a 9-2 goal differential. They barely actually even got into the second stage, which is what is really funny. They finished in sixth place in the regular season, so just barely snuck in. Um, the offense uh, was a little bit above average. The defense was a fair bit below average. They were giving up more than one and a half goals per match. Their goal differential was just absolutely even. As far as the team's current form right now, uh, they lost three straight matches in finishing in sixth place in that first stage. So it's really something that they have uh, turned on a dime and have now rattled off four straight wins. And now Seabow, the Orange Beast. Normally I eschew colors when it comes to nicknames. I don't think that was that special, but something about the Orange Beast really intrigues me. Uh, this is a fairly young club founded in 2015 in Santiago. They are the defending champs and have one other league title besides that. So far here, the problem is that they've been getting draws. They're actually undefeated for the second stage, 
but just one three and O with a four and three goal differential. They're going to have to up their offensive output a little bit if they want to win the second stage title. Although again, all that really matters is that they finish in the top four. Uh, Their offense is pretty standard with the rest of the group. They won the regular season by four points over uh, Hara Bakoa. They had the best offense going, getting almost two goals per match. Second best defense, only allowing one per match on the spot. And that was good for the overall best goal differential. So can't really say a team that's undefeated this stage is sliding. But considering how dominant they were in the first stage, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can turn it around a little bit. Team's current form wins or not. They are unbeaten in their last eight. Uh, lots of draws, and all but the very, very first one have been really low scoring. Match number seven. This was the very last match to make our cut for the group of 10 and wouldn't have gotten a sniff, quite frankly, if we had been doing uh, Premier League or other European top five leagues as they open up or the international club stuff from up there. But since everybody else is focusing on that, that allows us to cast our gaze and focus on some other areas like the best league going in South America, the Serie A in Brazil, where the top six teams all go to the Copa Libertadores, although the last of those six, the last two, I should say, they have to start in one of the preliminary stages, not the group stage. And then the next six teams all go to the Copa Sudamericana. What's kind of funny is that there's four teams that are going to get relegated. That leaves, I believe, only four teams that aren't either getting kicked out of the league or going on in international play that just get to go home, relax, and watch the rest of the football. There's not too many other leagues like that, if any. Your matchup, number seven, Atletico MG, sitting just outside that uh, one of those Champions League berths. And they're going to be playing host to number four, Atletico Parana Ense. So number four, another key area, because if they drop at all, they don't get to start in the group stage. Taking a look at the table right now, um, Atletico MG, they trailed number six Internacional by just one. Things are very tight in that portion of the table. Meanwhile, Parana Ense, they lead number five Flamingo by just one point. So things are very tight for them as well. The series between these two in recent seasons have gone MG's way. They've accrued a 13-1-10 record and will be the focus of ours first. They play out of the town of beautiful Horizon, Belo Horizonte. It's uh, the third biggest town and metro area in the country. Uh, they've got uh, probably just a little bit over six million people. It's in the southeast part of the country. Uh, if there's one thing that you're, uh, this isn't going to be a full-fledged culture food break yet that we often do later in the podcast, but I learned that this place is the home of where kachaka was basically invented, uh, which is a beverage based on fermented sugarcane juice. Yeah, sounds like it could be good. They are known as the roosters or the crazy rooster, uh, Gallo or Gallo Doido. They are also known, by the way, as Atletico Minaira. So if you ever hear that name instead of MG, it's the same team. MG stands for uh, Minas uh, Gerais. In any event, what you can definitely say with this team is that they are the defending champs, which was a really big deal down there last year because their only other title they won was all the way back before even Noob was born, 1971. They even won the Champions League in 2013, more recently then they have won their own league. Uh, they're about to play Palmyras in the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores. Good luck to them there. Uh, they made the semifinals in that event last year. 
And by the way, they also won the Copa Sudamericana in 2014. So while they may be in seventh place now, this is a team that's used to competing for the big international trophies. And that means they're used to finishing in the top six of this league. Uh, this year, uh, so far, the stats back up that they're going to have some trouble, actually. Their uh, offense is two or three notches above average. Their defense is barely above average. On the scoring leaderboard for them, having a little bit of a resurgence, it's not like he really went anywhere, but Hulk, yep, that's his name. He already has seven goals on the season. Their forward, who is 36 years old, he's got about 50 national team apps that he uh, earned over the years between 2009 and 2021. It's a guy who's got around. He had the longest stints of his career with Porto, one of the big three up in Portugal, and Shanghai Port, which used to be Shanghai SIPG before they made all the name changes there last year in China. And then they've got the second best goalkeeper going in the league in terms of clean sheets anyway, with a half dozen is veteran 32-year-old Everson. But I think the best or most valuable player they've got going now, right now, he's on the defensive side and he needs some help, is their left back, uh, Guillerme Arana. This is a guy, if you're a La Liga fan, yes, he played with Sevilla. He is a stellar passer, creates tons of chances. He actually plays some left mid- midfield for them. So I don't know if they've got to make room for him as a midfield proper guy and then get somebody else on the back line or what's going on because the defense is what they need to show shore up but this guy tries to make up for it on the offensive end and largely does uh he's played for wolverhampton and man united in the past by the way pretty recently team's current form well they're winless in their last three and they've lost their last two can they get a turned around against parada and say when they're here at home that team is known as the hurricane uh, they have an MLS connection for us. They share an academy and training ground down there, a partnership of sorts with Orlando City. Uh, they play out of the state capital of uh, Curitiba, Paraná being the name of the state or province. It's just a little bit further south and east than AMG is. Um, it's a metro area of about uh, 3.2 million. Puts it well within the top uh, top 10 of Brazil. And if it's famous for anything, well, two things, really. Uh, This is a really big South American car manufacturer, which I didn't realize there were really any centers for that on the continent, on the world stage anyway. And then this is one of the safer cities in the entire country, which admittedly, it's Brazil. They've got the reputation for a reason, but at least this one is well better than average. Last year, they were all the way down in 14th, occupying one of those spots where they just got to go home at the end of the year. And in fact, uh, they only finished fourth place in their own state league there in Paraná. Very interesting. Uh, They have won the Copa Sudamericana title twice. Most recent one was last year. In fact, they're about to play Estudiantes out of Argentina in the quarterfinal of the Copa Libertadores, for which they automatically qualified this year. 2020 was the last time that they went to the uh, Copa Libertadores, by the way, and they made the round of 16. This year in league play, uh, the offense is suffering. The defense is top five, though. They're only giving up one goal per match. Uh, So this is going to be an interesting matchup, see who can control the pace. They've got the eighth best goal differential. I'm really on the fence. I don't think both of these teams can make make the – Copa Libertadores. I've said it a couple times. Don't know why I blanked on it just there. I, I think, if anything, only one of these two teams is going to go in. On the scoring leaderboard for them with seven already is David Tehrans. He is a Uruguayan, Uruguayan forward for them. He actually played for uh, AMG last year 
And then they've got a guy who's currently ranked number four in clean sheets in the singularly named Bento. He's been here his entire career, including his youth career, going all the way back to 2013. Team's current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one across all competitions with just a 1-2 and two goal differential. I think we could expect a low-scoring affair here. Match number eight. We will take Monday and Tuesday off from our track and get back to it on Wednesday for match number eight, where we're going to take a very brief visit into the AFC Cup, which is a really interesting secondary tournament in Asia. Now, to sort of set this against uh, the way Europe does it, there are teams from every country that get to go to the Champions League, the Europa League, and the fairly new tertiary Europa Conference League. In the AFC, they only have two international club tournaments like that. The Champions League is what it is, but not every team gets to send their champion. Uh, All the lower or smaller uh, countries, if you will, or what the AFC calls soccer developing countries, they will often send instead their champions to this tournament, the AFC Cup. And then a lot of the uh, medium size or larger leagues will send their second or third best teams to it as well. So it's just fascinating to me. Now they have reached what some sources call the round of 32, even though there were only something like 14 teams left. Um, I, I am more likely to refer to it as the zonal semifinal. And the one that we're going to look at is the ASEA. A-N, which is the Southeast Asian uh, zone. The winner of this match is going to get to play Moen Bagan out of India in the interzonal semifinal. Uh, the matchup that we would be looking at is Vietel out of Vietnam, taking on Malaysia's Kuala Lumpur City. But I'll let you Google up this event on your own. It's one of my favorites. So we're going to be talking about it a fair bit in future episodes here in the short term. And this is usually the time of podcast where we take our culture break. And that occasionally means art or, uh, well, visual art, music, sculpting, history, folklore. But usually it means food. And that is what it's going to mean this time. And once I'm done with this recipe, you might wish that you had two days off from work or school after hearing about it instead of two days off from tracking on the front side. Because we are going to Vietnam to learn about a traditional dish that I might be mispronouncing. I really did try to find it, but it's pronounced cha, or it's it's spelled like it could be cha Rui, C-H, and then A with a diacritical mark, which I don't know what that does to the vowel, and then R-U-O-I. I am simply going to say Cha Rui, and if I'm wrong, I hope you'll bear with me. It's a sandworm omelet. And yeah, I said traditional. This isn't something that you can get that's really weird at like one or two particular places. This is a traditionally seasonal Vietnamese dish made from sea worms. And although it's just more than a bit unsightly, because the basic ingredient actually is a a two-centimeter worm, some people say that it tastes like caviar. I will let you judge for yourself. Don't know when I'm getting to Vietnam next, and I'm not sure that I would uh, have it in me to put this in me, if you will. Now, at this point, there are people that farm it so they can get the worms year round. But traditionally, this is one that is only available in late autumn. And then it's still to this day, they fill the stalls all over northern Vietnam uh, with vendors that are selling these, especially in Hanoi. Uh, Cha Rui, uh, this is a dish that mixes a variety of spices, has a meat-like texture. Some of the other stuff that goes into this beaten egg, uh, tangerine peel, onion, and there's a variety of other spices before you add in the uh, two inch around, five centimeter long on average 
sea worms. Now, if you're a, a connoisseur of Southeast Asian food in general, this may be something you're already familiar with. Because if you've seen a palolo roll, this is pretty much the same ingredient if it's made traditionally. Um, and the palolo is not unique as sandworm to Vietnam. It can actually be found along the coast in a lot of different Pacific uh, Ocean bordering countries. Now, why is it consumed only one or two months a year, specifically late autumn? And the answer has something to do with the mating habits of these particular creatures. They reproduce or produce this by a uh, process called uh, epitoky, E-P-I-T-O-K-Y. Now, uh, palolo sandworms reproduce this way. What happens is this. The worms start to grow segment by segment. They generally tend to grow out the back and they keep increasing in size until the worms uh, will more or less divide themselves into two parts. The back side that they're getting rid of, that contains, the, uh, well, the eggs and the sperm. I don't want to be too blue, but it is what it is. And then during the mating, usually the ninth or 10th month of the lunar calendar, late autumn for us, they, uh, they escape from their uh, hosts, if you will, and then all this stuff rises to the water's surface in a large creeping mass. You thought it was unappetizing before at the beginning. What do you think now about a, a, a creeping mass of worm eggs and sperm? Yikes. <laughs> I really, I'm so happy I went with this one. Wow. Now, before being added to the dough to make the chowberry, the sandworms have to be boiled to remove the tentacles, yuck, and the fishy smell. Well, thanks goodness. And then at that point, you can uh, put in your tangerine zest and your herbs. Uh, now, the good news is if you're ever there or want to, if you're an adventurous eater and want to try this, but you want to get, I don't even know if a local Southeast Asian store to you would necessarily have these worms. If they do, you can try making it or you could substitute in some or most of the worms with pork. That is not a completely unacceptable way to do it from what I have read. Uh, hope you have loved it. Hope you're disgusted at the same time. That's what we're going for. But we like to use soccer as an excuse to learn all about the world. Uh, even Chao Rui. Enjoy. Match number nine. All right, plenty of time for you to rinse out and clean those buckets later. After hearing that description, we have more Wednesday football to get to. We're going to head back here stateside for hamburgers and hot dogs, if you can even stomach that at this point, and get some NISA in us, National Independent Soccer Association. They are considered to be a third-tier level here in the States. They're almost halfway through the season. The top three from each of the two conferences, one five teams large, one with just four now after they lost a team, will make the playoffs. The conference winners will get to go straight through to the semifinals. Your most likely candidates to be able to do that are number one out of the East, Chattanooga FC, taking on number one in the West, Cal United Strikers. Right now, Chattanooga, they lead Michigan Stars by four, and they have a match in hand. Uh, even less of a tight race out West, Cal United. So this is probably, by the way, a preview of your final. Although anything can happen in playoffs, Cal United lead... Uh, Bay Cities by 13, and they have two matches in hand. So they have absolutely run away with it. Uh, the brief series between these two, Cal United, have accrued a perfect record nearly of 2 2 and 0. Oh. Chattanooga, they would love to get their first win. Can they do it at home? <clears throat> Excuse me. This was a club founded in 2009. Uh, they played in the NPSL that we mentioned earlier before moving over here in 2020. 
Uh, they might still be partnered. I know they at least were for a brief time uh, for some coaching and player relationships with VFL Wolfsburg, although I believe mostly on the women's side of things. This is a, a fairly unique club. It is crowdfunded, publicly owned. They've had a $1 million goal in place for a while, and they've raised about 85% of that. So they have uh, you know, a thousand or thousands of owners. What a wonderful way to do it. Uh, they play at the UT Chattanooga football stadium, which can hold over 20,000 people. I would be a little bit surprised if they're getting nearly that many for two reasons. Number one, because it's tier three soccer. We're interested in it, but Chattanooga, not the biggest Metro in the world. And because there are two tier three league teams down there. Uh, since their inception, there is now a second team that's in USL league one called the Chattanooga Red Wolves, privately owned, playing at the same level, and they're just basically trying to take over. I don't really understand how there's room for both these teams. I don't. I think they'll have to merge or one will have to move or go under in time. Enjoy them both while perhaps you still can. 2010 through 15, this team made the national finals of their league four different times. And then they won the title for an organization called the oh, USNAC National Amateur Championship. That's what they won in 2015. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the fall season. This league used to do a fall and a spring. They had the number one. They have the number one offense this year, getting two and a goal, two and a quarter goals per match. A top three defense to go with it, and the number one overall goal differential. Number one league leading score is theirs to boast of, with ten on the season. Marcus Nagelstad from Norway, a veteran, 31 years old. I often have tended to think in the past that these uh, Tier 4 and Tier 3 leagues must mostly be filled with people who are uh, high-end amateurs or people fresh out of college, you know, trying to make the pro ranks, you know, maybe get into the USL Championship. But you've got some uh, veteran players here as well. He went to college here in the States, by the way, but he spent most of his career in Northern Europe, despite the fact that he got drafted uh, by NYCFC back in the day. Uh, team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last 10. They have won three straight with a very impressive eight and two goal differential over the win streak. And now the visitors, Cal United, with whom I have a little bit of a problem. Really, you're a tier three soccer team, but you're uniting, you're uniting all of California. Those sound like awfully big shoes to fill. I know it's just nomenclature, but yeah, uh, come on. That's a little big headed. They were founded in 2017. They were actually going to be an NASL franchise, that league that uh, more or less or entirely went under just a couple, three years ago. I used to follow them a lot back in the website days before we became a podcast just under two years ago. And then very briefly, they were aligned with the uh, NPSL that we talked about earlier, but they ended up joining this organization, NISA, in 2019. Last year in the fall season, they finished in second place. 2019, they were champions of the Western Conference, which was a really big deal that particular year because at the time, uh, the East and Western Conference champions, I don't believe, were playing for an overall national title. Now they will. They've got the second best offense going in the league this year, but the number one defense, and I think they're, they're, they're going to try to not necessarily park the bus, but I think they're going to want to play a slower pace on their road and try to keep it low scoring. If they do try to get some goals, be on the lookout for Tony Lopez. He's got six on the year. That makes him tied for third best scorer in the league. He's also top 10 in assists as well. And then they've got far and away the best goalkeeper in the league with seven clean sheets, Jean-Antoine, another American product. And uh, he has the second most, or rather, no, I should say, 
the goalkeepers that have the second most clean sheets in the league, it's a very high scoring league, have just three. So he's beating that by over a factor of two. Team's current form, well, what do you want to know? They're undefeated on the season. In fact, their only draw was all the way back on April 3rd. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And we round out our week with a Thursday match heading to South America, Unamas Vase for the Copa Libertadores. It is the second leg of a two-legged tie in the quarterfinals. Worth noting, I do not have the score because it hasn't been played yet for the first leg here at the time of recording. But nevertheless, the matchup we're going to look at is the only one or one of two that is actually between two teams from two different countries. Estudiantes out of Argentina taking on Atletico Parana Ense. Don't worry, I'm not going to uh, audio copy paste the uh, preview that we did previously for this team. You'll just get a mini preview for this particular one since we already talked about Atletico. But Estudiantes, they're a little bit newer to us, particularly for this episode. They are known as the Lion. Boo, everybody is known as the Lion, but they are also known as the Rat Stabbers. Yay, rodent violence or something. A couple of months ago when I talked about this team, I actually gave the story on rat stabbers, what they know of it. I will let you go down your own Google rabbit trail to find that this particular time and move on to tell you that this is a team that is just outside the top 30 in rank for CONMEBOL. Uh, the team has won the Copa Libertadores four different times. 2009 was the last time they hoisted the trophy. This year, they were the sixth and final team that squeaked into qualification for the Copa Libertadores. In fact, that made them the only team out of Argentina that had to enter the competition before the group stage. They had to win two extra games just to get to the group stage, and they're one of the lowest-seeded teams now that they're in that. But nevertheless, here they are still alive, and they went 4-1-1 in the group stage. They had the best defense in their group, allowing less than a goal per match. Uh, they beat Argent- uh, fellow Argentinian team Velez Sarfields uh, by five points in six matches, so they were really on fire. And so they used the results from the group stage to seed all the teams, nothing else historically. And so for the round of 16, they were actually seeded number four. And then they got a very fortunate draw last round to start the uh, start the knockout stage. They beat Fortaleza out of Brazil, which is a team that had a very good season last year. And this year, I believe they just barely have managed to now climb out of the cellar in Brazil's Serie A. It's a team that's probably going to be relegated. They beat them 4-1 last round. Hope they enjoyed it while they can. They'll be in Serie B next year, probably. Uh, This team, the Estudiantes' best player going is probably Jorge Rodriguez. Their central midfielder plays a lot more like a winger style-wise. He's really good good at getting the ball upfield on his own, and he's quick enough that he gets lots of interceptions as well. Doesn't contribute uh, in the heart of the box score. No goals on his league season right now and only one assist. And uh, maybe they need a little bit more from him because, quite frankly, they're not having a very good league season here. They're only in 22nd place of the 28 teams. Uh, The problem, like has been the problem for a lot of the teams we've been talking about this show, is defense. They're outside the top 20 in that regard. They do have a top 10 offense in the league. So if they can get a couple of goals on the board, they might have uh, a pretty good chance here. Uh, Overall, on their aggregate for the season, they're actually number six. Uh, The league that they're playing in right now, it's not the second stage like Apertura and Clausura. The Argentinian scene is really changing. Suffice it to say that they played a tournament or league 
earlier this season, and now they're doing a second one. And last time they did very, very well. Uh, right now they are the second to last place team on aggregate that would not get into the Champions League, the Copa Libertadores. Teams current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, and the results high and low scoring have just been all over the place, very unpredictable. I will add just a little bit extra stuff about Piranha Ense. By the way, if, I don't think I mentioned before, they're actually ranked number 12 uh, in Conmebol. The Brazilian teams really dominate. Uh, they finished in second place in this year's uh, Copa in a very tight group. They lost to Libertad out of Paraguay by one on goal differential. It was a pretty defensively oriented group. They ended up being seated in 12th for the knockout stage. Uh, last round, uh, they got to play Libertad again, the first uh, game of the knockout stage, and beat them 3-2 on aggregate. Across all competitions, their current form is 1-1-1 with just a 1-2 and two goal differential. So if Paraguay, uh, or rather Parana Ense, rather have anything to say about the pace, we may end up with a low-scoring affair here as well. Bring forth the bonus matches! And thank you, by the way, so much for helping determine what the matches are going to be for the three quirky bonus games, because you get to vote every Monday or Tuesday. You can find me on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA, actually on there every single day. But I put out polls at the beginning of the week with the candidate matches. You vote dreamy content manifests. It's delightful. Our first match is a first versus last place matchup. We dramatically call the route, route, route route of 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 the week 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 and the one you have voted for is a sunday match that keeps us in south america but not in one of the latin countries per se remember they've got three countries on the northeast coast that are much more caribbean in culture and general nature and we are headed to the Eerste dvc dvca of suriname yeah, it's a part of CONCACAF, actually, even though it is on the South American mainland. It is considered by CalCAF algorithms to be about the 14th rated club in our confederation. They've only got, uh, depending on the team, three or four matches left in their season. In the past, the champions have been eligible for the Caribbean Club Championship. Your matchup is number one, Inter Mango Tapo taking on number 12, SNL. And I gather that a number of you uh, voted for this particular team. I know we had at least one comment on it because it sounded like Saturday Night Live. But instead, we will say, even though it's in Mango Tapo, live from South America, it's Sport Veranijing Nacional with two A's, Ledger, L-E-G-E-R. Doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well. Anyway, looking at the table, uh, Inter uh, Mengotapo, they currently lead a club called Robin Hood by two points in the table, and Robin Hood have a match in hand. So unfortunately for SNL, Mangotapo is not going to lay down. They are going to be going for points and goal differential. Meanwhile, uh, SNL, they trail number 11, Bing Tang Lair, second to last place team, by just one point. Fortunately for them, there is no relegation out of this league. When they played earlier this season, SNL did manage to get on the board, but they still lost 2-5 to five at home. We'll talk about Mango Tapo first. It's on the northeast coast of this country, a population of well over 10,000. Really not sure how the economy is doing in this particular area. Historically, 
Uh, it's They've made their money off of bauxite mining, but the really big mine that was there was declared depleted back in 2014. I know it's been sold to the government since then. Maybe they've been trying to find other areas that they can uh, excavate and get even more out of it. Just not sure. Interesting area, though. Uh, 2019-20 season, they were in second place when the season was aborted, right about halfway through. This is a team that has won 10 straight titles before that, except for the 2017-18 season. 2021, they were your Caribbean club champion runners-up. And in 2018, they played in the uh, amateur league version, if you will, the Caribbean Club Shield, and they also managed second place there. This year in league, they have the second best offense, defense, and goal differential all going. Robin Hood is better in each of those regards, and yet somehow Inter Mangatepo are leading. Their current form, they've lost two straight home matches, no less, by a four and seven goal differential. SNL would like to get a couple more goals on them like they did when they were at home, and who knows, maybe they can pull the upset. Probably not. They play out of the capital city of uh, Paramaribo. Uh, the team is 96 years old. I'm not sure if they still are formally, but I know that they were founded as a military team. At that time, and for actually many decades after, I think into the 50s or 60s, they had a number of teams in this country that were all military-based. This team has won three titles, but none of them in this century. The last one was 1998-99. Last year, they were in 10th place when the season got aborted. 2018-19, the last full season, they finished in seventh place. The problem for them, well, they got problems all over the place, but the offense is even worse for the de- than the defense. They have got, they are the worst statistically by a lot in that regard. And they're the only team not even managing a goal per match. Uh, team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. Good luck to them. Why not? Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Prince may have put it in question form in his song about the most beautiful girl, but we know that you believe that this will be the most meaningless match in the world, at least of the ones we told you about. Teams smack dab in the middle of their tables, equidistant from the glory of international births and the terrible disease that is the relegation zone out of which they could get kicked out of their league. The most meaningless match in the world is a Friday match. You have selected something from the Kanselainen Liga, which is the 27th ranked women's league in all of Europe in Finland. This is one of the summer leagues over there, so they're about three quarters of the way through the season. Just one team will get to go to the Champions League, and they will have to start in the very first qualifying stage. On the other end of things, one team will get relegated, one team will get to fight for their lives in a relegation playoff match, and it just doesn't make a lick of difference. For number five, PK35 Helsinki. Uh, they are playing host to number four, Holland United. Uh, right now, Holland United lead PK35 Helsinki by five. They trail number one, KUPS, by 17. They're not going anywhere. Meanwhile, PK Helsinki, uh, they lead number nine ONS by 15. They will be in the top flight next year quite easily. When they played earlier this season, it was all in United coming out on top 2-0. The recent series between these two, it has been all Holland with a 5-0-0 perfect record. Uh, First, we'll talk about uh, PK35 Helsinki, and I'm saying that all the way through to Helsinki because there is also another team in the league called PK35 uh, 
shoot, I'm blanking on the name, Varna or Varta. It's uh, got two or three A's in the spelling. But in any case, uh, I'm unsure what the 35 means. The PK simply stands for Ladies Ball Club. So it's some sort of uh, national club with a number of different uh, franchises or outlets, if you will, throughout the country. This particular team plays in the district of Malmi within Helsinki. It is a major district in the northeast portion of the metro. It has about 25,000 people. Last year, this team finished in sixth place, so they are just where they anticipate being. Uh, I think 2020 might have been the first time that they played in Division One, even though they were founded all the way back in 1978. Uh, this year, the offense and defense back up exactly where they are. They're right in the middle statistically, and they've got just a negative two goal differential. They do have a top 10 score in the league. She's found the back of the net six times. Amelia uh, Kupsanen. Uh, she used to play for that other PK-35 team, and I now found in my notes finally, uh, Vanta. I'm sure the double A means some other pronunciation, but that's the best I can do. I'm not working on my Finnish or my Spanish, as we learned earlier. Team's current form, they have lost two straight with a woeful 1-7 goal differential. And now Holland United, they play out of an area called Lemland within Holland. If you're not familiar with Holland, and I usually try to find something sort of funny, meaningless, go ahead and skip forward about 60 seconds if you're not interested in geography and that sort of thing. But it's a fascinating area is Holland, at least to me. This is an autonomous part of the country of Finland. This is an art. Uh, it's an archipelago of islands off the southwest coast. Uh, the team plays in the uh, capital of it called uh, Maryham, and everybody here speaks Swedish. It is, in fact, a, has been allowed to be the official language. I imagine there are some Norwegian speakers, but they're very particular about who gets to move there permanently in terms of uh, getting to own property. It's a little bit like Australia. So uh, they are very proud of their roots there, even though they run Swedish instead of Finnish. Uh, they've been largely autonomous for a number of years. They are subject to uh, Finland when it comes to some things, but by and large, they mainly govern themselves, and it's a demil demilitarized zone to boot and a pretty high standard of living there as well. The team has won the league title three times. Last time was two years ago. They've been to the Champions League three times as well. 2021-22, uh, they went one and one in the multiple game first stage. Uh, so they went out in the first round. 2010-2011, uh, they made the round of 32, and that's the best they've ever done. Last year, they finished in third place in the league. Uh, this year, they've got tied for the second best offense, scoring over two and a half goals per match. The defense is where they suffer a little bit. I think this is a team that will finish uh, in the top half of the league, even though they obviously won't challenge uh, for the title. On the scoring leaderboard for them is our USA connection. I don't know much about her, but she's got six goals. Catherine Lofersky. And then they've got a second connection here to the States, a midfielder named Sarah Tricoli. So if you're looking for a team to root for, even in the most meaningless match, there are two great reasons. Team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with a 7-3 goal differential. Appropriate that our last match is always number 13, because we never end on notes of happiness or joy. No, but rather with wailing and gnashing of teeth. Welcome to the fresh hell that is the match of... Disappointed! Ooh. Yes, Kevin Sorbo, it is something to behold or not to be beheld, perhaps, because these are the two worst teams from Finland. Yeah, I'm not going to make you go very far this time, or you're not going to make you go very far. You voted for it. It's from the men's side of the ball this time, though. 
The Vikasliga is the top flight for them in Finland. It is ranked number 36 in UEFA, just a little bit below average. And if these two sad sack egg-sucking teams had anything to say about it, uh, they would be even lower. Now, Again, just like the women's side of the ball, this is a summer league. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. Then will come the five match uh, championship and relegation rounds. These two, yeah, they're going to be way down in the relegation round. Number 11, Lati taking on last place, HIFK. Currently, uh, Lati FC lead HIFK by six, and they trail uh, Mariham by two. So I, I guess that full. Yeah, I have to admit that there is a little bit of hope for Lati that they could crawl out of the relegation zone, maybe not have to play in a relegation match if they manage to finish above second to last. But the smart money is not on that. Although they should get a win today at the very least, because in recent history, Lottie has accrued a 13-7-2 record against HIFK, have seriously had their number. Now, Lottie, by the way, is also the name of the small city they play in, about 125,000. Early in the history, a lot of manufacturing, also a lot of slaughterhouses specifically. So it's actually known as the Chicago of Finland. Now, that makes sense. What makes less sense to me, at least based on what I know, there may be an explanation. They are known as the Black Drones. Now, this is a new enough club founded in 1996 that I suppose that could be the machines of artificial flight. Uh, you know, Maybe it has something to do with bees. I don't get a sense for either one compared to their crest. If anybody knows Soccer Nuke USA on Twitter, please let me know. Uh, this league, uh, rather, this team has never won the league. Twice they have finished as high as number three, 2014. Never been to the Champions League, therefore. They have made three Europa League appearances. Best one, 2009-2010. They felt just shy of the group stage, falling out at the third qualifying round. Last year, you would have been a little bit more likely to find them in a match of disappointed. They finished in seventh. This year, apparently, they have just given up the ghost and said we're fine with getting relegated because they don't even score a goal per match and have the worst defense in the league, giving up over two per match. Even though I think they're the favorite today, they do actually have the worst goal differential in the league. The best, no, scratch that, least Awful player they have is Makuba Kanji. He's from Senegal, veteran, 37 years old, who ought to know better than to get caught on a team like this. Plays center forward, three goals and an assist on the year, make you the most valuable player when it comes to a bunch of turds like these. And yeah, if you're an MLS person and you recognize that name, you're right. Yeah, he's played with a number of Major League Soccer teams, New York Red Bull all in his career, Colorado Rapids, and Houston. As far as the team's current form, they just actually managed to draw against number nine, Ilves, 1-1. And that broke a three-match losing streak. And now HIFK out of the capital city, Helsinki, as well. Seven league titles to their credit, but (laughs) their halcyon days are about... The, my grandparents might remember when the, this team last won something. It was 1961. Uh, in the forthcoming years, they dipped as low as, uh, I want to say it's called the Nelonen. It's the fifth tier league called the fourth division in Finland. Yikes. Last year, they finished in sixth place. So this is a big drop down, just like Lati. This team just has one sad little win on the season, which is particularly sad for the fans because 
It's not like the fans aren't trying. They've got the second highest average in the league, bringing in well over 3000 per match. And uh, what are they getting for their ticket price? Uh, well, virtually no offense. They're barely scoring over two goals every three matches on average. One of the worst I've ever seen in any top flight. Uh, they give up two goals per match. Woof. Uh, the only guy on the team who, to my knowledge, has actually managed to score more than once on the year, Eero Markkanen, sent, uh, he plays center forward for them. And if his name rings a bell, yes, he is sort of a USA connection for us. He played with the defending uh, USL championship, second tier here in the U.S., Orange County team last year. Uh, maybe they should have held on to him because Orange County is going to end up in a match of disappointed as well. Uh, this is a guy who uh, Real Madrid had the rights to at one point, but he, uh, he always got loaned out, never appeared for them, even had 18 national team caps back in his youth. Oh, and by the way, we do have one more uh, USA connection, for better or for worse. Uh, fellow, I couldn't find much on him, Marcario Ping Glover, uh, plays right back for them, 27 years old. He came up with the earthquake, San Jose, and then he played his college ball at Duke. Uh, teams current form, they have lost two straight. No surprise that that is with a one and a goal differential. And their only win of the season uh, was at, good for them for getting it on the road at least, number nine, Ilves, nil one. Boy, Ilves seems to be the punching bag for the uh, the worst teams in the league. I wonder who they've gotten their handful of wins against or if perhaps we will see Ilves in a match of disappointed themselves sometime in the next month. We will tabulate your votes when the time comes. And so with this ending the broadcast, rather than wishing them good luck like we would any other pair of teams in the show, we will instead shoo them away in our harsh traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo. And Statler and Waldorf, that is exactly how we end it. This has been episode 95 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Person Noob. I see you've come back for the outro, a rare treat. What? <laughs> the outro, you're here. You're usually not here for the outro. So uh, earlier in the show, uh, you had to uh, run away in the middle of the segment to use the uh, restroom. Did everything come out okay? Yes. Oh, if looks could kill, audience, she is giving me a, a, I don't know if it's quite a lethal look, but it's certainly I, a, a look that says, I can't believe that you're my father. You wish you could change that? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a sweetheart. Oh, my goodness. I didn't expect that. Not scripted at all. Thank you all so, so much. Yes, hugs all around. To the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the Interno Inferno, for all of his continued inspirational and creative efforts. To my daughter, P-Noob, love you so much. Kisses. And thank you to you for listening. But guess what? No kisses for you. Do you want to give the audience kisses or just tell them quack? Quack. Okay, that's probably better. Giving them kisses would be weird. Anyway, thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed some of the humor, a lot of the soccer. And if so, please feel free to pass this on to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, we wish you a happy footy week. Take care. Quack. What you see is now what you get. Living our lives with a secret. We fit right in. Bet you never guess, cause we're living our lives just like all the rest. A picture perfect family is what we try to be. 
The closer you must see the crazy things we do. This is the make-believe. It's our reality. Just your average family trying to be normal. Stay out of trouble. Living a double life.